SAFM. Prime time all day long. All right, let's talk cycling. Uh, joining the line, South African cyclist. I'm going to argue the best cyclist South Africa has at the moment, Ashley Mulman Pasio. Ashley, the last time we spoke was on a bicycle for another TV channel, and I was doing my best to try and keep up with you, and you weren't even breaking a sweat. <laughs> Hi, John. How is Spain? Um, Spain is actually opening up quite nicely at the moment, so um, things are progressing in the right direction. Um, we're allowed to ride outdoors. Um, the race schedule is very much, you know, t- starting at the end of July. So things are looking good. Everything was touch and go. Let, let's start at the beginning. When did you leave the country? When did you decide, well, when did the, the pro outfit, CCE Live, offer you the money and the, the international experience? When did all of that start? Well, I mean, I left South Africa to pursue an international cycling career in two thousand and. 10 was sure. sort of the first year mm-hmm. uh, that, that I did that. Um, and yeah, since then, um, it's just progressed to, I, I pretty much live in Europe now uh, because this is where all the cycling happens and, you know, the, the races are here from week to week, so it just makes sense to, to be here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, pretty much live here now. That was always the debate in cycling is can you be an international cyclist to be based in South Africa? Douglas Ryder made that point when he moved the team overseas, based them in Italy. You have to be there, don't you? Yeah, it definitely makes sense um, because, you know, as I said, the racing happens here week after week. Um, and, you know, to fly backwards and forwards between South Africa and Europe is, is not ideal um, with, you know, the long overhaul flights and just in terms of just being here, you get used to the lifestyle here. You get used to the, the roads, the small country roads, the road furniture. So, yeah, <laughs> I certainly believe that it's supposed to be because this is where, where all the cycling competition happens. We're going to get into those roads in a moment. Let's talk about your career on the bike. It, it, you make it look easy. You make it look like, well, I'll get on the bike, I'll do some training, and I'm going to go and be in the top five all the time. What's it like day in and day out for Ashley mulman before lockdown? Well, it takes a lot of commitment, um, you know, and even just having left my home country, having left a low family behind, you know, it's taken sacrifice. And it's taken, yeah, year after year, just continuing to, to, to challenge myself and to, um, you know, to stay committed to the goal and there are times when things go really well and, and you get really good results and then there are times, challenging times where, you know, just race after race, you have bad luck or puncture or an injury. Um, so cycling is certainly not an easy sport, um, but it definitely helps to have, you know, all the support from back home and the people, you know, writing on your social media, giving you, you know, some motivation after a hard race or even the congratulations, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, I love what I do, so I'm able to, to pick myself up when things go wrong, and I really enjoy the good times um, when they happen, and, and you should because they don't happen that often. Um, but yeah, I just I love what I do, and I think that's, that's what motivates me to continue. Would you say that the 10 years, and I know you were racing locally here as well, 10 years, it's a very long time for a, career, a cycling career, isn't it? Um, not really. I mean, I actually started quite late um, in life. You know, there's a couple of, of riders in the peloton that have been racing since the age of five. You know, I only got into cycling when, when I was at university, so in my early 20s. So I wouldn't really say it, it's a very long career. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, as I said, 
you know, at, at the highest level, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have, have been able to um, maintain my position sort of at the highest level for quite a few years now. And, you know, the good thing is, is that I continue to see, you know, progress and, and I yeah. haven't really hit the ceiling yet. So, you know, the numbers keep increasing every year, you know, so I'm still reaching um, new heights in terms of, of potential. And so I suppose, yeah, it just continues to motivate me to keep pushing, you know, for that really big result. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to to bring back a, a World Championship medal or an Olympic medal um, to South Africa. So, yeah, that's my main motivation at this point. And- it's a terrible question to ask a sports person, but there's a lot of seconds and thirds. You're always just that close. What is it? What goes through your mind to say, "Well, I know I can do it." You know, you're not there to be second and third, are you? So, how are you keeping going to become that first? Well, as I said, I continue to make progress in terms of you know my my numbers and and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, that big win still eludes me, um, but. Yeah, I suppose that all boils down down to the fact that although, you know, it looks like I'm a super experienced rider and that I've been doing it for for very many years, I do lack, you know, that experience that some of my other, um, you know, um, competitors have in the peloton where they've been riding, they've grown up in Holland, they've been racing since they were five, for example. Um, You know, so every year I get closer and closer where, you know, everything needs to click, you know. So it's not all about strength and, and all the hard work that you've done. You know, with regards to road cycling, everything has to click on the day, you know, when it comes to tactics, split-second decisions, being in the right place at the right time, believing in yourself. Um, so, yeah, every year I get closer and closer, and, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back to racing because, you know, I'm in a really good headspace. I'm in great shape. I've managed to be really productive during the lockdown period. Um, so I'm feeling strong and, and ready to race. Uh, and More motivated than ever. Excellent. But you've also, you, you didn't mention the team and just how much of a team sport cycling is. So the team you've got around you at the moment, are they, are they behind you 100% now? Yeah, of course. So I'm on the team as, as one of the team leaders mm-hmm. um, alongside Mariana Boss. So yeah, sure. so it's a real privilege to be able to race alongside such a, um, an accomplished rider. So it's also someone I can, I can learn a lot from. But yes, the team 100% supports me. Um, when it comes to big tours like the Giro or really hard races with a lot of climbing, then for sure I'm the leader on the day. And, yeah, it's it's really a great team set up, and I can definitely rely on them. And as you say, I mean, cycling is a strange sport because although one person gets on the podium, it's, it's all about teamwork on the day. What is the state of women's cycling in Europe? Well, women's cycling in Europe is making great progress um, from, from year to year. You know, so... Um, you know, just before COVID hit, we were about to to enter into the um, first season of, of Women's World Tour. So we've now introduced different um, tiers in, well, the UCI have introduced different tiers. Um, and along with that was a lot of promises to have more TV exposure. I think that's mm. still the biggest challenge that women cycling faces, that, um, you know, the TV exposure is, you know, though we have more and more each year, there's also kind of a lack in sort of consistency. So, you know, one week it will be streamed on a Facebook channel and the next week it will be on Eurosport and then maybe two weeks there's no exposure and then the next week it's it's on another streaming channel. I think that's one of the biggest challenges is the lack of consistency, you know. So to build a fan base is pretty difficult yeah. because people you know, might, you know, watch one race, really love it, and then the next week they, they don't know where to find their exposure. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges is to find sort of continuity um, in the exposure to be able to, fa- um, to to build these, you know, a fan base, a committed fan base. But 
you know, every year things are improving. Um, as I said, you know, um, the World Tour has been introduced and every year that there's new sort of, uh, the, the minimum salary increases by year to year. And Excellent. yeah, we just hope now that um, post-COVID, you know, that obviously there's enough sponsorship and, and that the economic times don't impact the sport too badly. But as, as it looks now, it's actually looking really positive for women's cycling. And it actually looks like men's cycling is, is in a more difficult place because of the, the size of their budgets. So I'm right. positive um, for the future <laughs> of, of women's cycling. I didn't even think of that. It's, uh, it's, it's an opportunity and it's, it'll happen uh, everywhere, really. It's, it's an opportunity to reset is being spoken about. And this might be the opportunity to, to reset men's cycling and bring women's cycling up a level, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, and right. what's been a really great um, opportunity for women's cycling is, you know, although we aren't racing on the road, but the virtual racing that's been happening on the Swift platform has really been great for the sport because Swift um, really believes in inequality. So anything they put on for the men, they do equal for the women. Mm. So we, you know, we had a virtual tour called Tour for All, and it had the same exposure as the men's race. We raced the same stages, the same length, um, you know, on mainstream channels like Eurosport. Um, which was really great for the sport. So it's kind of strange, you know, that we get such great exposure for the first time on a virtual <laughs> platform. Um, but that just shows you, I mean, the world is changing and it's, it's these new platforms and, and companies with, with new um, ideas and mindsets that are the ones that, really gonna, that are going to make the change for women cycling and, and push, push the sport forward. My guest is South African cyclist Ashley mulman Pasio. We're going to talk about the, those roads in Spain in a moment. You are listening to John Gerica on SFM. In a recent article, Ashley, you said here, being a cyclist in South Africa, you have many challenges. One of those is safety for a woman cyclist. What do you mean? Well, I just think it's quite difficult for a young um, female cyclist to go out all on their own and and to feel 100% safe, you know. Um, I experienced that myself, you know, at, at university in Stellenbosch and you know, going out on the road and, and being mugged or once before even having knives thrown at me. So it's, a, it's unfortunate, but it is the reality in South Africa. And so, um, you know, whenever I'm in South Africa, I don't feel really safe to train on my own. So I'd always have to find a group or a couple of people to join me. Um, so I think that is a big obstacle for, for the development of women's cycling. Um, but, you know, what has happened in the past weeks with the lockdown is once again, you know, new opportunities have presented themselves in the form of virtual platforms like, like Swift. And so this, I identify, is a, is a great opportunity for the development of women cycling, and in particular in countries like South Africa. You know, I, I even think it's, a, you know, it's amazing what one can do on these virtual platforms. I can be in Spain riding from my home in Spain, but I can be joining a whole lot of young riders in South Africa on, in the spiritual world, you know. So... I think that there's a lot of opportunity um, for the de- development of women cycling in countries like South Africa on these platforms. And, and one of the things you raise as well is just about every pro cyclist has moaned about it. We've got these great cycling events in South Africa, these mass participation sports. But as a professional cyclist, it's it's not what you're looking for as a pro, is it, to take part in the Cape Town Cycle Tour or the 947 or the Amashova. It's, it, it's great for 25,000 people, but it's not what the top 20 want, is it? No, because, you know, it's great for, for the development. Like, so, of course, I used to race um, the 947 and, and the Argus, and, and they played an important role in, 
in my development as a cyclist. But mm. it is amateur racing if you compare it to Europe. You know, when we race in Europe, um, you know, so it's a standalone professional race. Um, so the professional riders are the only people on the road on that day. It doesn't mean that they don't have a mass participation event, but they happen a day before or a day after right. the pro race. So the pro race is a real spectacle. You know, it, it attracts the crowd. People are watching. You know, whereas with, in South Africa, you know, the pros set off at, at Sparrows when it's still dark. <laughs> yes. And they finish before the rest of, of all the other riders. So, you know, people don't, it's, it doesn't really become a spectator sport. It's more of a mass participation sport. Mm. And, you know, South Africa puts on amazing mass participation events. And they are potentially the world leaders. Um, but in terms of the professional side of things, you know, professional um, cycling doesn't actually exist in South Africa. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's why it's just so important for us to come over, you know. Um, you know, once we've built ourselves up and, you know, it, it was great for me to win these races in South Africa because that was part of my development and mm. building confidence. But then, you know, to really, if you really want to be competitive on an international standard, you have to be racing in Europe. Uh, I tell a great story about there was this, uh, a race at a big hotel out in the northwest province. I was having breakfast and the winners of the race were coming to breakfast after having raced and I had still to go and start my race. Exactly. So, yeah, they, they, they had finished their day already, and I was still warming up and having my breakfast, which is a thing. Uh, okay, so during lockdown, did you have – I mean, Spain is – okay, let's start at the beginning. Was Spain hard hit, a, a lot like Italy? What were the lockdowns? You've obviously been doing the virtual stuff, and what's the next three months have for you guys? Yeah, so Spain was hit pretty hard, Um the to more or less the same extent as Italy, and it, it came fast, you know. So we were watching what was happening in, in Europe, and we were supposed to be actually going to Italy to, to race, sure. to start to be Yankee, and things sort of changed really fast. And even when it came to, to Spain, I mean, it was there was talk of a lockdown on Friday, and by Sunday it was full lockdown, you know. And at that stage, South Africa very quickly started closing their borders. So, you know, there was a time that it, the thought went through my mind, do I go back to South Africa? Because at that time, things were still open and, and we could ride outdoors. Mm. Um, but my gut sort of told me, no, you know, stay where you are. Um, Spain, you know, has become my home. I have a dog. You know, I have family <laughs> um, in Spain with me. So I, I didn't want to just desert my dog. Um, so that's essentially when I decided, okay, I have a good indoor setup. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to make the most out of this. And, you know, of course, it was always in two-week periods. So it was supposed to only be two weeks of... Sure. of lockdown yeah. and very quickly two weeks turned to seven weeks where we literally weren't allowed to ride at all outdoors um but as i said i mean i had a good indoor setup and you know i just decided that um you know it's a challenge but i'll just make my life a lot more difficult if i resisted or if i dwell in, in you know not being able to ride outdoors so i just embraced it for what it was and decided to work on my weaknesses, you know, because indoor training is a little bit harder than outdoor training. You really have to push quite, you know, it's a lot about power. And so, yeah, I, I decided to get productive and I, I realized, you know, the value of these virtual platforms in terms of socializing and connecting with people all around the world, you know, so that helped to keep the motivation up. Um, and yeah, by the end of it, seven weeks, I managed to get out on the road and I went up one of the climbs close by, um, which is quite a famous climb in the area called Rockacorba, and I, I set my a PR up the climb. So nice. it just showed that, you know, I'd been 
productive on on the um, virtual or on the indoor platforms. Mm. And you know, now I'm back out on the road, training really hard, getting the long rides in. And um, end of July, we are scheduled to start racing in in the best country in Spain. And then Strada Bianchi will be on the first of August, so that will be the first world to race. And August, September, October look pretty full um, with uh, you know full racing program with a lot of the spring classics having been postponed to, mm. to later in the year. Uh, and as far as Grand Tours, just as the women starting to get excited, I think was it the Tour de France, they're not going to have the ladies Tour de France this year, is it? We still have a one-day race. Just the one-day um, race, okay, so, on the Sunday. Yeah, so one-day race. And funny enough, actually, um, at the end of this month and and during July, we'll be racing the Tour de France on the virtual platform of the group. <laughs> yeah. So isn't it crazy that we don't have a real life Tour de France, but we have a virtual one. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I imagine some winter races going to be happening on that Zwift a little bit more. I know they kind of leave you guys for those two, three months where the, the Europeans do that insane off-road riding. But I imagine some Zwift training, some Zwift events are going to be happening soon. Yeah, I certainly see a lot of potential for um, Zwift, you know, and for indoor cycling becoming somewhat of a new discipline. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's here to stay. Uh, I was talking about this on the show last week. It's almost like the democratization of sport. Uh, you don't need to have all the expensive goodies and gadgets. If you've got this thing and you're on a bike and you have a little bit of talent, you can compete against the best in the world and get found. There's lovely stories about cyclists and drivers and things that, and other athletes that are being found and identified through these virtual sports. Would you agree? I totally agree with you. And so that's why I see a great opportunity for for young South Africans. Because um, as I said, I mean, I actually have a lot of interest in, you know, and I'm trying to, to put some work behind this to, to potentially start an academy, you know, where I could be training with the young South African and female riders once a week, you know, doing some specific sessions with them, but also maybe, you know, sometimes just enjoying the ride and chatting, sharing some thoughts, um, some motivation, and then, yeah, potentially um, racing with them on, on a pro-am level yeah. on Swift, you know, which gives me the real opportunity to, to mentor them, you know, remotely, which sounds so weird, you know, for, for cycling, but it's possible, you know. And, yeah, I certainly think that there's uh, um, a lot of potential for talent ID um, in the virtual world. Ashley, good chatting to you. Good luck to you and stay, keep the rubber side down. Thank you so much, John. South African cyclist Ashley Mulman-Pasio joining us live from Spain.